0: Good morning. I'm going to do something here before we get started. I want you guys to talk to each other just for a second and ask Have you ever had to be rescued? Maybe it was at the beach, maybe it was climbing a rock, maybe it was at camp. But have you ever needed to be rescued by someone? If you have, I want you guys to to talk to each other just briefly and share that incident, as embarrassing as it might have been. Let me start this off. One time I was on a tree, in a tree. No, I was on the tree, and I was showing off for the neighbor girl. I don't even remember her name. She means nothing to me now. I was probably about five years of age, and I thought I'd go hand over hand on this limb on the tree to show her that I could do that. Well, I went on the limb, and I was out on a limb, and I could not get back in, and so I started screaming out to my uncle, who was inside, and I said, uncle, help, and I was screaming and crying like a girl. No offense, girls, uh, but screaming and crying and he came running out and he says okay i'll catch you go ahead and let go but in between my uncle and i was a clothesline and so i let go my legs caught the clothesline i did a nice little loop-de-loop bam hit the ground missed him completely (laughs) That was my almost I don't know if that accounts as a rescue, but that was my embarrassing moment. So I hope that breaks the ice. Just take a minute and talk to someone. If you next to you say, have you ever had to be rescued by something? Maybe you were in a car. Whatever, serious or not, go ahead and just take a couple minutes. Okay. Well it sounds like there was at least some funny stories out there. I don't know, some of you guys are going and going and going. I think many of us at different times in our life have needed help from someone. Whether the help was effective or not uh, depends, but we've all been in those situations. or are no people who have been in those situations that have needed help. Um, and that's going to go along with our, our study this morning. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 11. The council at Jerusalem. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they'll get one to you. If anyone needs a Bible, just hold your hand up and they'll get one to you. We're going to go ahead and start reading. Again, Acts 15, starting at verse 1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem... They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, Brothers, You know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. At various times in the history of the church, there have been councils, and times where they set up to discuss important issues, doctrinal issues. Probably the most common or or famous is the Council of Nicaea in 325. There's also the Council of Chalcedon in 451, where they established that Jesus was indeed fully man and fully God, who Jesus was, the character and nature of Christ, as a lot of other things were being said and, and taught trying to clarify what is the true position, and they established it through documental evidence that was recorded at the closest time when the disciples were teaching. There was a lot of manuscripts that were written in that first century that were used to discern what the truth was, and there was a lot of things that came up later that were dismissed because they had not been connected to the source. They were people just saying what they felt. And that's the whole Da Vinci Code. If you guys remember that whole movie, they talked about different gospels. Well, those are gospels that were written 300 years after the fact. So, you know, hey, you can say what you want 300 years later. And so those kinds of documental documental evidence was put aside, and the ones that were more substantial were held on to. They put credence into those, and they came up with these established things. And so the churches throughout history had a number of occasions where they've tried to solidify the truth of what we believe, of who Jesus is. And this is probably the most important one because this is affirming for all time that salvation is holy by God's grace through faith alone, apart from any human effort. This is crucial and fundamental and something that we still wrestle with. To this day, there are still people who believe, well, no, it's not by grace. You have to have works because, you know, James says faith without works is dead. But Paul says, you know, it is, Abraham was justified by faith, not by works. And there's a lot of people saying, well, what is it? What is it? And it's actually both. You are saved by faith that produces works. Your life changes and your life shows the change by the things that you do. It's evidence of the faith. It's not the works that save you. It's the faith in Jesus that saves you that produces a life that is evidence. And so here at the beginning, there is contention. Now, in verse 1, it says that there were these men who came, these brothers that said, unless you're circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, the idea of being saved carries with it that you're in a bad way or bad place. I mean, the stories that you guys shared when you were saved, you were saved from something, whether it was from hanging in a tree, in the ocean, by a lifeguard. You were in a bad way, and you needed to be rescued. You had to be saved from something. And so the idea is, you had to be saved, or you must be saved. Well, what is it that we're saved from? What is the situation? And, And there's a lot of things like we talked about where a person is saved from circumstances, but that's not what is talked about here. A number of years ago, when we were doing some work on our house, I think we had just refinished the floors and we had someone come out there and they stained the floors, the hardwood floors. And so the whole house smelled like whatever that stuff is, urethane or whatever is on the floor. And it just we couldn't stay there because we would have died or something like that. Uh, it was just, to, the fumes were too great, and so I was still working on part of the house. I don't know if I was doing some tile. I was working on one of the areas that didn't have the hardwood floor, and Kareen and whatever kids we had at that time, well, we, we had all four of them, but I don't know where they all were, uh, went to my mom's house in Glendora, and were spending the night there because the fumes in the house. And so I was done with what I was doing, and it was late or early in the morning, it was like midnight, maybe one o'clock in the morning, and I was gonna get up and, and drive out to my mom's so I could get some sleep. And as I was driving, going to get onto the 210 freeway up by baseline, I pulled up to the light, getting ready to head westbound, and this girl came running up the off ramp. Not something you see every day. And she came running right towards me. And it was unusual, and I kind of stopped. And she's just like running, and she was barefoot holding these high heel shoes, wearing a dress like she was out partying or, or working or something. It wasn't, you know, it, it was noticeable. And, and she's running right towards me. And she comes up to my car, and she says, Help! My boyfriend's trying to kill me. you got to help me. I'm the only one there in this intersection. I'm like, okay, well, okay, get in. She jumps in the car. She goes, go, go. I'm, okay, you know. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I, I get onto the on ramp again, heading westbound on my way to my mom's house. And, and now I'm out of my element totally, you know. I was like, what the heck has just happened to me? And I'm driving and, and I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to the police? What's going on? What's happening? She goes. I, my boyfriend he started hitting me. I pulled over the car. I jumped out and I just came up. He's gonna be looking for me right now. I'm like, okay. So should we go to the police? No, don't go to the police. Okay, where 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 are we going? <laughs> you know, because I'm going somewhere. I need to know where we're going. And she goes, oh, oh I don't know. I, I need to call my friend. Can I? Do you have a phone? I go, yeah. Here's my cell phone. She's calling my her friend. And she goes, yeah. You know, I told. My, I forget what her boyfriend's name. I told him that I'm pregnant, you know, and he got all upset with me. And I'm listening to this, and I'm like, oh, great. And she, okay, all right, I'm going to come over to your house. And there's this high tension going on. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm driving while she's talking on the phone. I'm thinking, okay, man, this guy's out here somewhere. And I hear, she's pregnant. Okay. And my mind goes, okay. This guy's gonna find us. He's gonna shoot me. I'm gonna be on the side of the road. The police report's gonna say Sam was found with a pregnant girl dead. In the, and my wife is gonna be like, what the heck happened? Who, who are you? What's going on here? And, and so when she was off the phone, I said, like, excuse me, could I get my phone back here? And she said, where were you going to go? And I called my wife and I said, hey, hon, just letting you know. This is where I'm at. This is what happened. So if I'm dead somewhere, you know the whole truth and you don't have to see me on a forensic file somewhere, you know. I will be there. And, and I ended up talking with her a little bit. And she said, well, I'm going to you know, get an abortion because I don't want to have this baby. He's going to be like this. And I only had a few minutes to talk with her. And I said, you know, you've made one mistake. Be careful, you don't just make another one on top of that. And that was about it. And she goes, thank you, you know, you saved my life. And, you know, I might have saved her from a situation, but I didn't save her life. That was just one step and one part of a lot that was going on in her life. And a lot of times we don't see the whole picture. We, we see the small aspects of things. We, we only see, you know, that incident that's right before us. And so many times we think, oh man, if only this was changed in my life, I'd be better. You know, if I was saved from my job, oh man, I just need a good job. Or if I was saved from my wife or husband or, you know... Hopefully, you're not saying that. If you are, go to the class on Saturday, the 28th. And and we think the situation needs to change. And if that situation changes, then we'd be okay. But we're worse off than we think. It's really worse than you think. The salvation that is talked about here is the salvation of our soul. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. We were lost in our life. It's not just we needed help with a situation. Our life is in a state of despair. Our lives are in a state of need. And what God came to save us from was really the situation that we are all in. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That's where we are. That's what we need to be saved from. We are without hope, without God in this world. That's what we need salvation from, is this hopelessness. This place of despair. This place of a life that is bankrupt, that is empty, that is hollow. And so, how do we get saved from that place? Because we are all in this boat. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. The world is condemned already in John 3.17. There, there is already the judgment that is on all of us because of who we are naturally. The judgment that weighs on us. How do we escape this judgment? And, and really, there are two categories of religion that tries to deal with the, the state that we're in. One is legalistic and one is fatalistic. The legalistic one says you have to do certain things to get God's approval. Which is what we see here in this chapter. You need to follow the law of Moses and the circumcision process. You need to do that, otherwise you can't get in. You need to appease God by doing something. Living a certain way so that you can Get his approval. and the, the fatalistic way is more what the Muslim way would be. It does, it's up to Allah, you really don't have any say in the matter. or even a Buddhist way where it, life is is circular, it's not linear, and really you have no say in what happens to your life, you're just in the process and eventually you'll achieve till nothing. There, there's no hope, you have no role in this, and God is actually impersonal, doesn't care. It's just kind of a force out there. The other way, God needs to be appeased. You have to do certain things to get his approval. Those are the two basic religions. You can sum all the religions into one of those categories, and then comes along Jesus, who doesn't fit in door A or door B or C for Christ, hey. Where it is actually God seeking you. God pursuing you. And, and why this was so important to Paul and Barnabas and why they had such a sharp dispute over this is because this had the potential to make Christianity just another sect of Judaism, There were different rabbis that they would follow, whether it was Gamaliel or Hillel. And they had certain beliefs. This would have been Rabbi Jesus and his beliefs, and it would have just been succumbed to Judaism and become just another part of that. But Peter, in verse 10, said so perfectly, why do you try to test God, putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? We have all been in that place of not being able to bear the yoke of our own consequences. We have all made mistakes that have caused devastation to our lives. We all are weak in our ability to change who we are and need help from God. Can a leopard change its spots? The scriptures say, well, no. Neither can a man change his ways. But God can change us. And so why this is so important is because it's not about you and me doing something to get to God. It's about you and me accepting something that God has done for us. And believing in that. And that's the important thing. That That's what's really foundational about what we're doing here it's allowing god to work within us and it not being a matter of rules and regulations that we have to to meet to appease him because rules and regulations can always you can always skirt around them the jews in the law They had the Talmud, which was seven volumes of interpretation to the law. And they said you could only go a thousand steps on the Sabbath. And so what they would do is they'd take a rope and tie it from their front door out a thousand paces and they would say, this is now an extension of our house. And so they could walk that thousand steps and then they could go another thousand steps beyond it. You know, there's a loophole. We can find a way to get out of it. You could not tie a knot with a rope on the Sabbath, but you could tie a girdle into a knot. And so what they would do is carry a girdle with them. They'd tie that to the end of the rope and tie that to the end of the bucket, and then they could get the water, whatever they need. You can make loopholes to get around these kinds of things. If it's just a matter of what you do, you try and find ways about it. You guys notice that with your kids? You know, I told you to get in bed. I'm in bed. They're jumping up and down. You didn't say go to sleep. You said go to bed. And they're all lawyers in the making. They find ways to do that. But you see, a relationship is different. A relationship, there is interaction, there is responsibility, there is accountability. You can't find loopholes around a relationship unless you want to cause problems to the relationship. Oh yeah, you can lie, you can deceit, but that's only going to hurt the relationship. But if you invest in it, then it has a hold of you that's deeper than a law. It's basically because you love. And that's really what that's about. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. This is in direct argument to what was taking place here. If you're depending on this, the circumcision, to save you, Christ means nothing. You've taken what Christ has done, and you've devaluated it. Now, that's true for us in the things that we do as well. I need to appease God. I need to make God happy. If I can do this, then God will be happy. Then God will answer my prayer. I remember my brother, when his first son was born, years ago, we were out in San Fernando Valley working, and we got a phone call that his wife was in labor, and she was way early. He was only two pounds Two ounces when he was born, my nephew. And so we had to go from San Fernando Valley to the hospital, I forget, it was in Arcadia, I think it was. And we're driving, and he was driving 55 miles an hour because that was what the speed limit was. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was driving 55 miles an hour. And I know what he was doing. He was thinking, perhaps if I obey the law, God will see and have approval on me because I'm being obedient. Maybe God will have mercy on me. And I can can sympathize with what he was feeling Maybe God will spare my baby if I drive the speed limit and I do all those things that please God. Then maybe, just maybe, he'll have mercy and he'll show. And you see, this mentality of I'm going to please God as if God's up there with a radar gun going, oh no, 56? Oh really? (laughs) But you see, that's the problem. When you start making it a legal system, you start defining things by a law and not by love. Christ has set you free. Don't get entangled into a yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the freedom that God has given you. It doesn't mean you can do whatever you want, but understand that God loves you, that he has extended himself to you. Unlike you having to reach him, he has reached down to you. And he cares for you and he loves you. Some of us here this morning are in the same situation that my brother was in. What do I have to do, God, to please you, to get you to hear me, to help me with my finances to help me with my health to help me with my children to help me with god what do i have to do and we we get to this mindset of i have to do something that will please god so that god will then give me something and and god is not like that you weren't saved because you did anything good you were saved because he loved you and you said i'll receive your love that's why you are saved if you've been saved because of his love and goodness, are you now going to earn his favor? Paul said, foolish Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now going to end in the flesh? It's God's grace. And what I want you to know this morning, because your life, if it's anything like mine, is going to fall into pit, after pit, struggle, after struggle. And if every time you, you fall and you, you stumble and you think, oh no, am I saved? Oh no, does God still love me? Oh no, what, what, what is, have I crossed the line? Oh no, have I done this? Have I done this? And you start worrying about all the little things instead of just investing into the relationship and saying, I don't care. I will not stop Loving you. I'm sorry. I love you. In my marriage, my wife has had to say that to me a lot. No. (laughs) I have had to say that to my wife a lot. I've had to say, I'm sorry. I was selfish. I was insensitive. Why do I say that? Because I want the relationship to continue. Because I want our love to continue. I want to continue my life with her. And for that to take place, I need to stay connected to her. God is the same way. He wants you connected to him. And so when you do have that stumble, when you have that lack of discretion, when you have that error, You need to continue. You need to confess your sin, as 1 John 1.9 says. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you need to move on. Because what God wants for you and what God wants for me is us to move on. He doesn't want us, okay, now you've got to get on your knees. You've got to say 10 of these, and you've got to say three of these, and do three jumping jacks, 10 push ups. This isn't the Marine Corps. You don't have to do something to get his approval. He already has given it to you. And you see, what, what we don't realize is that when, when God is calling us to repentance, he's basically calling us to himself. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to try and go through a few of these pretty quick. Starting at verse 11. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach, the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. Verse 16 I command you today to love the Lord your God. What do you want from me, God? What do you want me to do? I want you to love me. If you love me, then you're going to do what I ask because it's in your heart to do it. And he goes on and he says, "But verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live along the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And you think, okay, see, there it is. If you don't get God's way, then you're going to get judged. Then you'll be destroyed. He goes on, he says, this day I call heaven and earth to witness against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Why, why does God make this a choice? Why does he give us this choice to, to, to make the ability to choose? Well, love takes a choice. It has to be something you choose to do. In verse 20, he goes on and he says, And that you may love the Lord your God. There it is again. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him. And notice these words. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers abraham isaac and jacob the lord is your life if you don't obey god you'll be destroyed why because he is life and you're choosing not to follow him what are you choosing death i put before you life and death choose choose me you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we take it to mean, you know, if you choose anything else but me, you're dead. We, we read it like that. But you see, there is no other choice. He is the life. If you don't choose life, then you are left with death. Then judgment rests on you already. Choose life. God is the only one who's reaching for you. The God who is declared in scriptures. There's no one else waiting for you. There's no one else looking for you. There is no other God searching out for you. All the other gods that are out there, you either have to appease them or they don't care. But here we have a God who is life, who is saying, I'm reaching for you. Choose me, love me, that you may live. And what we need to understand is you don't have to fulfill a bunch of rules. What you have to do is fall in love with your creator who loves you incredibly. We love him, the scriptures tell us, because he first loved us and gave himself for us. That is our motivation. We are responding to what he has done. We don't earn his approval. We accept it by grace, through faith. That not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. And it's offered to all of us. Wherever you are at, whatever struggles you are facing, whatever pit you may have fallen into, the hand of God is reaching to you saying, I love you, just take my hand and follow me. You don't have to do anything To earn my favor, I have given it to you. All you have to do is follow me. Choose to love me. Say yes to the gift that I'm offering. That's what you need to do. Turn to Psalm 91 in closing. This is a beautiful psalm. Psalm 91, starting at verse 9. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command the angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. And verse 14, I want you to insert your name where it says he, or might say they in your translation, But if it says, because Sam loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Because he loves me. I will do this understand this morning what they were battling so fervently to make clear in this chapter of acts is that there is nothing you need to do to earn God's approval he has done what is necessary so that you can enter into a relationship with him He's done that through the person of Jesus Christ. If you will turn to him, trust in him, and love him, he'll rescue you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His joy will be your strength. Recognize how dear you are to God. And all he wants is your love. And in the situation that you're in, whatever it is, whatever is needing to be rescued right now, whatever you're needing to be saved from, there's only one person who can save you. It's not you. It's not a church. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And He's done everything that He can. All we need to do is choose. And so I pray that this morning, whatever you're going through, you will make that choice. I don't know all your circumstances. I know some of your struggles and some of the things some of you guys are going through. I'm not going to, my wife always says, don't look at people they think you're talking about them. <laughs> so. <laughs> <clears throat> so if I look at you and I say something, I, I, maybe it was an accident, I didn't mean it. But the things that you're in the middle of and the struggles that you're going through, God wants you to know that he's close to the brokenhearted that he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34 says that a righteous man might have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And God wants to be there to deliver you. And how he delivers you, I can't tell you how that's going to be. It might not be financial success. He delivered Stephen and took him home. I don't know. We pray and desire things to work a certain way, but we don't know. Yesterday, Corrine called me and she was at work and she said, Well, you know, she was doing some sales. And she said, Well, pray that I sell so that, you know, work goes well and it looks good for her job and everything. And, And so I said, Well, let's pray. And we prayed. And then she called me back and she was just moved. She goes, After we prayed, I was able to sell. Like, it was just miraculous and i thought oh that's neat and then immediately my mind went to cynthia wheat and i thought god i've been praying for her to be healed you you hear this prayer can you hear this one too and i have to come back as i was studying this it's like i have to be reassured i hear sam i hear trust me i hear And that's what we have to be consoled with, is that God hears, that he cares, that he loves. And that he has done what is necessary. You don't have to follow rules, regulations to be saved. You have to believe in the God who loves you and what he has done for you in the person of Jesus Christ. And heaven is open to you. Holies of Holies is open to you. You can come in and cry, Abba, Father, Dad. You can pour out your soul. You know, this Psalm 91, as I was reading it, David, you read these Psalms and they like, you can identify with them. He knew his God and i purposely went to these old testament passages to show that it's the same god cuz so many times people think well there's the god of the old testament and then there's the god of the new testament you know the god of the old testament is the judgment god and the god of the new testament you know is in touch with his you know compassionate side god and it's it's the same god he's the same and david knew who this god was And he talked about him. He wrote about him. He declared these things about him. He shared that because we love him, he'll rescue us. It's all about that relationship that he's made available. And so don't take lightly the relationship that God is extending to you. Because if you take relationships for granted... They will fail. If you take your husband or wife for granted, it will be detrimental to that marriage. If you take the relationship with God lightly and for granted, it will be detrimental to you. It's a relationship. You have to stay in love with him. Danny, why don't you come on up? We're going to have a time of just worship. As I was thinking of how and what I could do to try and encourage those of you who might be going through struggles and difficulties in your relationship with God, our tendency is well, you know, you need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. You need to be at church more. You need to do these things more. And those things are all good. But you know what you need to do? You need to fall in love with God. You need to, you need to love Jesus because he loved you. And you need to recognize that love for, for you that he has. That will do more for you than anything. That will make you want to read your Bible That will make you want to pray. That will make you want to be here and enjoy the time together. Love with God is what's going to make you want to. Do you guys remember, those of you who are married, when you started dating your husband or wife, how you'd stay on the phone for hours, fall asleep with the phone, you know? Stupid things that you did because you were in love. They weren't stupid, honey. They were... You did things because you wanted to be with that person. It moved you to do. Love will do that. And what you need this morning, what I need this morning, isn't to do more things. We like to hear that pounding of the the pulpit or the music stand. You need to do this. You need to live this way. You need it. And we get, oh, yeah, I do need to do that. Because we all do. Who here prays enough? Who here reads their Bible enough? See, I can tell you all, you need to do that more. And you could all say, amen, yeah, I do. But you see, what's going to make you want to do those things is falling in love with God. And what you need to do is fall in love with God. And what I want to do right now is offer time where we can just pour our hearts out to God, and recognize His love for us, and respond in worship to Him. What you need to do, what I need to do this morning, is love God. If you do that, it will provoke you to do the good things you need to. Jesus talks about the church leaving its first love. And perhaps that signifies or identifies with maybe something that's happened in your life where you have left that priority That God is supposed to have in our lives and you have turned towards other things and have devoted yourself towards other things. And the key to that, as well as any. Problem that you're having is to turn around, to change, to repent. And that's what we need to do, even if God has ministered to your heart, you know, you don't love me like you used to, like you need to. This is our chance to say, I'm sorry. I, I want to turn back to you. I want you in that preeminent place in my life. I want you to be my first love. And if God is ministering to you in that way, as we continue again with another song, I encourage you, just pour out your heart to him in, in song. Say, God, I, I do surrender this to you, Lord. You are my first love. I repent. I want to turn back to you and give you that place in my life. Lord, I do pray that our lives would be an overflow of love towards you in response to your love towards us, God. Father, that people would know that we are your followers because of our love for one another and our love for you. Lord, might you be evident in our lives. And Father, I, I pray that you would just bring a, a healing salve on all those who are here who are in just hurt situations, Lord, that are just crippling them and and causing just anguish. Father, I pray they would sense and know that all that is necessary for your favor is just to turn to you. Lord, that you are there, you are waiting for us. There is nothing left to be done. It is indeed finished. Jesus, you have taken care of our debt completely. There is nothing we can do to earn your favor. You have extended it to us. Freely, we have received, Lord. Freely, may we give. Thank you again, Lord, for the reminder of your unfailing love, your goodness. Lord, your love is better than life. We agree with the psalmist. And we thank you for loving us so perfectly. Lord, bless everyone here as... We move forward, might, Lord, we remember these things. Might they capture our hearts. May we meditate on them and allow you to take that priority in our lives. May we love you first above all else, God. May we devote ourselves to you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen.